Uh, if you have seen the film The Bank of Dave on Neon, a Netflix film currently screening on Neon, there'll be a few spoilers if you want to watch it still, so just zone in and out. Uh, but it's a, a cracking film, a very uplifting film, and mostly true. Dave Fishwick is the real Dave. He was running a minibus sale business in the northern England town of Burnley when he decided to take on the UK banking establishment. When the global financial crisis hit in 2007, he noticed the businesses he sold his vans to were struggling and were unable to secure loans from the big banks. So he stepped in. Over the next few years, Dave lent over £1 million of his own money to businesses in his local community. Everyone from the florist to the local busker, and he donated the profits to charity along the way. In 2011, he decided to make it official by applying for a banking licence. This despite the fact the regulator then responsible for granting licences had approved just one in the last 150 years. His story is told in this hit comedy drama made for Netflix but currently screening on Neon in New Zealand. Dave, it's great to have you with us and thanks so much for making time. Good morning, good morning, Catherine. How wonderful to be invited onto your show. I watched this on Christmas Eve and what a great pick it was. It was an absolute delight. Um, The word true-ish is used during a lot of the film's descriptions. There are some bits that, that didn't happen, but the gist of it is true. And so... What was your business in 2007, and what was the circumstance that made you think about opening a bank? Right. Well, late 2007, early 2008, my minibus customers were coming to me to buy a van or a bus. And usually I'd just fill the forms in, send it off to the banks, and then the banks would send me the money back, and the customer would get the van. And then overnight, the banks just stopped lending. And I'm thinking, have they done something wrong? The customer, have they moved house? Have they changed jobs? Have they not told anybody something? But do you know what, Catherine? They've done nothing wrong. The big banks have just decided to stop lending to businesses. So I thought, either I stop selling bosses, which would be a problem, or if I truly believe in these people, why don't I start lending them the money? So I did. I lent them the money. They paid me back. And I thought, this banking malarkey, it's not that difficult. So I thought, well, maybe I can help other people with other businesses. And that's what gave me the idea. I wanted to build a community bank run by the community to benefit the community rather than the bonus culture. Tell us a that's bit, how it started. Tell us a bit more about Burnley. Uh, I, I understand you're, you're a life there. You grew up there in, in a family perhaps of limited financial means, which might give you a different perspective to your average banker. Uh, and tell us a bit more about the community that you were helping this way. Yeah. So my father always had two jobs. He was a farm labourer in the morning and in the afternoon he was a tackler. Now that's somebody that fixes looms in a mill. And my mum was a weaver in the same mill. Uh, We grew up in a house that only had an outside toilet. Uh, It was incredibly poor. The house that we grew up in, in the end, had to be knocked down. It was so bad. Uh, I left school absolutely useless. I had no qualifications whatsoever. There was no chance of me going to a college or a university. So I was straight on to a building site because we needed the money. And I was a builder's labourer. And I went from builder's labourer to building the first new high street bank for 150 years in Britain. And then Hollywood turned up made a movie about it, and now they've just turned up again to make a sequel. (laughs) So I have a bonkers life. I really have had a bonkers life. 
You were, uh, you know, the bits in the film, giving a loan to a local busker for a new amp paid back at two quid a week. That's exactly the kind of microloan a big bank would never make. But that's one of the the things that that actually did happen, I understand. The transition then... The transition then to trying to to, to make this um, official, because you were lending a lot of your own money, right? Um, yes, I was at first, yes. Yeah. It was several years later then. I think you were up to a million pounds in loans, and you decided to That's try and fine. become an official bank. What, what prompted that yes. decision? I wanted to start lending to, to much more businesses, and I wanted to be able to help people get the best rate of interest on the high street. So I wanted, I, I call it granny, because in my mind, I always think about it as, as it's my grandmother's money in the back of my mind. So whoever gives me the money, I think it's granny's money, and I need to look after that. So I wanted to give hardworking people, people who had a little bit of spare money, pensioners who'd worked hard all the life, I wanted to give them the best rate of interest on the high street. I then wanted to lend that out to people and businesses who couldn't borrow from the high street bank through no fault of their own. And then the profit after the overheads were paid, I wanted to give the difference to charity. And that's how it got started. And everybody said it was impossible. Everybody said, I'll go to prison. Everybody said, you just can't deal in that world. You haven't got the qualifications. You've not been to the correct school. You've not been to university. Uh, and everywhere I went, there were just no, no, no. But as an entrepreneur, you've got to turn them no's into yeses. Let's talk about the, the process you went through. And there's, there's a bit of creative license in, in the film, pardon the pun. When you first applied for a banking <laughs> license, I think the film said it would be the first new, reg- it would have been the first new registered bank for more than 150 years, even more than that, I think. I think in yes. real life, only one had been granted in the previous 150 years. This is Metro Bank, which is backed by an million American billionaire. Did they apply for you or did you apply before them? Uh, either way, it's extraordinary. Well, but there was only one at best, yeah? Well, that was actually – that's owned by the Americans. So there's still not been a British license applied oh, okay. for by a British person. So okay. that's owned by a, a very, very wealthy group of American billionaires. Um, I, I am actually in the process. I'm still well into the process. So just to let you sort of bring you up to date to where we are today, uh, we've now lent out over thirty-four million pounds to thousands of people and businesses. We've helped thousands of people get the best rate of interest on the high street, and we feed regular food banks, including children. I mean, just just to put that in context, this morning we fed 330 children at Park High School, which is around the corner from the bank. Um, so every morning we're feeding children who, who, who come to school hungry. Uh, we do a lot of breakfast clubs. We do a lot of food banks. And we look to make a difference where we can actually see that happening. And, and in a world here in the UK, they've just uncapped bankers bonuses and i'm sure that's happening around the world again so in one hand you've got bankers bonuses being uncapped and in another hand you've got children coming to school hungry the world's gone mad so the what you came up against when you tried to become registered in the film it was called the fsc i think at the time they were the ones responsible for banking licenses as we said there hadn't been any for a century and a half and uh, again a bit of creative license i think in the film what were some of the obstacles? For example, you had to come up with a twelve million pound security deposit, which would be about twenty four million here, listeners. Um, I, how did, how did this kind of obstacle really go down? Well, this is how it works. So. 
just before I made the, the movie, um, I made an actual documentary series for real about exactly what happened. They filmed me over three or four years, and that's available on YouTube. So can people can, can go and have a look at that. It's called Banker Day 1, 2, and 3. Um, so people can actually see. Uh, in other parts of the world, on Netflix, it's actually available on Netflix. Uh, but people can see what actually happened for real. But to give it some sort of perspective, if you want to open a bank today in the UK, it's not 12 million, it's 50 million. And even if you've got the 50 million, it's still tens of millions more to, to operate and run it. If you're going to open a bank, a bank needs to be able to be a size fit for purpose. It's no good having a one size fits all. And that's the problem here in the UK and indeed around the world. It's like if you if you start off as a builder, you start with a small van and then you go to a bigger van and then a bigger van to put all your tools in, where if you want to open the bank, you've got to open one the size of Santander or Barclays or HSBC. Um, you cannot open a small bank. That's the problem. So I, I've had to get the rules changed in the UK to even allow us to actually apply um and i'm i'm working very closely with andrew griffiths the treasury secretary here in britain and rishi sunak and colin hollinray which is the business uh, minister so unless you can get the rules changed with political help all the regulator uh, all the regulator wants to do is put you in prison what were some of the real life uh ways that they tried to stymie you dave well, they just, you see, you must understand that before it got changed to the FCA, it was the FSA, and that was the regulatory body, the Financial Services Association, and that really was run by the big banks. It's a little bit like the big banks here uh, got in trouble for LIBOR rigging. I'm not sure if that happened in New Zealand, but I'm sure it did in New Zealand and Australia. The banks were, were, were fixing the LIBOR rate, um, and pretty much if the big banks don't like you, they make sure that things get in your way if you're trying to, to do something. And they didn't like the fact that I was doing it for charity and I was doing it to help people. They disliked me with a passion and they come after me with all sorts of problems, as you can see some of them in the movie. Um, and all I was doing is genuinely trying to help people. I've run it now. Uh, the Bank of Day, which his real name is Burnley Savings and Loans, has been run now for nearly 13 years. We've never, ever had a complaint in 13 years. We've never lost a penny of the public's money in 13 years. And we've never done a single thing wrong to the public. But the big banks dislike me with a passion because they can see that the brand is a threat to them because all they want to do is take the public's money here and in New Zealand. They take the public's money. They then invest it abroad through the night in stocks and shares and credit default swaps and all sorts of what I call financial weapons of mass destruction. And if they make a fortune, they end up earning a fortune for the sales in wages and bonuses. And if they lose money, what happens then is the taxpayer in New Zealand or here in the UK bails them out. So they cannot lose. You know, people that rob banks go to prison, but banks who rob people get paid bonuses, Catherine. And that has to stop. Netflix movie, Bank of Dave, which is currently screening on Neon in New Zealand. You're listening to 9 to Noon. It's 19 minutes past 10. Have you already seen change in the rules, however? Just explain what's happened with the banking landscape. We've been trying to, to track this. The um, 
FCA, that there's a there's a new regulator, there's a new bank start-up unit, which was set up to encourage new banks to launch. Some new so-called neo-banks have launched. Has there been some positive change, Dave, or again is the threshold just far too hard, too high? It's there's, it's actually slightly worse than it were before. Really, the big banks would tell you differently, but I really am across these situations. I, I, I work in television here in the UK, um, and I really understand what's going on. At the moment, the big banks are closing fifty four branches a month here in Britain, so that's one in the morning and one in the afternoon. You know, there's going to be nothing left. There's only going to be digital. Branches left, and I did a big survey here in the UK a couple of weeks ago with the Witch magazine. And over four million people a day are still using cash, and they've got nowhere to go for it. Um, I can see a really big problem coming. What I would like to see in New Zealand, as well as in in Britain, is I'd like, and I'm sure you've got the same issues as as we have, because when I come out to New Zealand a few a few months ago, I, I was talking to people who definitely had the same problem. And what I'd like to see is parts of New Zealand run by the community, a community get together where they've, they've got some entrepreneurs that's got some spare money that they can put into the pot. And then that money then could be lent out to local people within that community, known by the community, where maybe some old-fashioned bank managers like we've got. I've got a guy called David H., my right-hand man who's 75 years old, who's been in the job 60 years. And he does manually underwriting where he looks at people as people. And he knows if you had a problem in the past, he knows you can get over it, and he knows you're good for the money. And I think if New Zealand had a series of community banks run by their own people, Uh, in them communities who know them, I think that would be a huge step forward, not just here in the UK. I think it would be brilliant in New Zealand, Australia and all over the world. But as things stand in your bids for that regulatory OK, the licence, and if I'm hearing you correctly, that would enable you perhaps to um, uh, enable even better lending rates. Uh, As for that attempt, Dave, is it still at the moment beyond reach? Where is it at? Well, I mean, I'm allowed, I've, I've got some special dispensation, so I'm, I'm allowed to do everything I'm doing at the moment. So I have the license to do everything. So I have the license to, to, to take money and I have the license to lend money out, but I'm limited by the amount I can take in because I haven't got the big license yet. Now, what I'm trying to do is I'm working very closely with government and people can go on my Twitter and have a look at where we're up to, at Fishwick David on Twitter. But regulation and legislation should match the size of operation and it needs to be based around some common sense here and around the world. So we need regulation to fit the size of business. So why possibly would I need to spend £50 million sterling on infrastructure when I'm lending £34 million out? It just doesn't make any sense whatsoever. Um, and some of my loans are £400, £500, £800 These are the loans the big banks don't want to do, but this equally so, they don't want me to do them either. So it's it's a huge market. Um, And if we don't have this sort of micro lending, you end up with the payday loan industry. Uh, do you have those in New Zealand where the payday loans? Oh God, um, yes, we do. Interest rates are crazy. And buy now, pay later. Well, that's right. Well, my second movie, uh, Bank of Dave Two, the sequel, that actually 
uh, goes after the payday loan industry because that's exactly what I did after I took the banks on. I did. I made a series called The Lone Ranger that I won a Royal Telling Society Award for where I got the big one in Britain shut down called Wonga. They were charging 5,500% APR and they were terrible, terrible people. And they're the ones that climb out the woodwork when the big banks don't allow the smaller community banks to operate. So people have to go somewhere. So you end up with loan sharks and you end up with payday loans, and that's where the second move is going. How did it all happen, Dave? Did the documentary come first? Did someone come knocking, having heard about the impact you were having in Burnley? How have you ended up now on your second Netflix film? Yeah, to be honest, I mean, I've, I've made 10 different documentaries here and abroad. I make very powerful programmes that make a difference to people's lives. I get offered television all the time. I was on television this morning live. Uh, I'm, I'm on every week for something, but I only take part in things I think are going to make a difference. So television came first, but before that, I have six businesses ranging from properties to, to, to vehicles to, to, to media to, to banking to finance to leasing. Uh, so it was businesses first. I started with nothing. I went from one car to 10 to 20 to 50 sales and then to vans to buses, and then I become the largest supplier of minibuses in the country. And there on, from there onward and upward. But then television turned up. I started to film the documentary about the banking industry. And then um, Netflix then got in touch with me about two years ago. I got a phone call from America, um, a guy called Piers Ashworth. He's the script writer, but he's also the script writer for Mission Impossible for Tom Cruise. <laughs> uh, and he, he called me and he said, I, I, I want to make a, a movie about your life. I want to make a biopic. And I said, I thought you had to be dead to have a biopic made. You know, I'm alive. Um, and he said, I'll come to Burnley and meet you. And he did. Uh, and that's how it all started. And so uh, the second film, where does it pick up from? Um, obviously, it's a, a, got a different focus, but where does it pick up from? And, and just remind us where it heads, Dave. Well, we, it's the same character who plays me. Um, plays in the second movie, plays me in the second movie, um, because uh, when Piers Ashworth came to uh, to Britain to speak to me about who's going to play me, and he asked me who would I like to play me, you know, and I said, well, you know, Tom, because um, you know you've made a few films for him. Uh, he's probably not just available. He's too Maybe short, Dave. Too he's too short. Like <laughs> he's too short. That's it. He's too short. Uh, and then we 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 found Rory Kinnear, who's Tanner out of Bond. Um, he's also the is uh, in the diplomat. He's in tons of, of movies, and his father were very famous, Roy Kinnear. Um, and Rory looks more like me than I do, which is scary. Um, and when I met him, I just knew he was brilliant. He knocked on my door here at home, and uh, I opened the door. This is the first time I ever met him, and, and he was there, and he said, "Dave, meet Dave." And I just thought, "You'll do for me." Um, and that's how it all started. But and, and then the second, the first one was a, a number one hit. Uh, Netflix uh, was was really pleased with it. Uh, in fact, it was only released in America on the 18th of December. Within three days, it was in the top 10 in America. Uh, it was released in, in December in Canada, and it, it, I was beating Tom Cruise in Canada with Maverick. So I was at number six, and Maverick was at number 10. So I'm glad I didn't get Tom because we were beating him. Um, but, yeah, so we were so lucky. And then the second one is the fastest commissioned sequel in Netflix's history. And uh, it's the uh, it's it's the sequel to the biopic. Nobody's ever had a sequel biopic made on Netflix ever before. Uh, Netflix now 
really know what they've got and uh, this one will be even bigger than the first but it, it, it shows when I took on the payday loan industry and uh, they are really really bad people there's that but there's also the character i.e. you and it's also the first film that I've seen featuring your real home I understand the local pub the local football team it was the heart and spirit of yeah. this community and your role in it that, that really captured hearts and souls as we said there's a little bit of creative license and that's all good uh Def Leppard, um, <laughs> uh, you're a fan. They're local lads. Um, yes. And what did what yes. did it take? Did they did they jump at it uh, at, at the possibility of being involved here? I called them up and I asked them and I just said, "Look, lads, it would be wonderful if you could take part in 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 the Banker Dave movie." And they'd seen the Banker Dave documentary, and the lads are from Sheffield, which is just up the road from where I live. I mean, they now live in America in in, in very glamorous mansions, but they did grow up in uh, in Sheffield, which is uh, nearby, and they are lovely, lovely people. All of them in the group were so wonderful, and when they came to Burnley and uh, we started filming the um, the concert I remember looking up at the uh, the lads on stage and Rory was there playing me and that was very very surreal to see somebody play you on a stage being filmed by Netflix and his mannerisms like I said he looks more like me than me um, and I just thought this is bonkers you know and it was just so surreal and so wonderful and the lads in real life are just genuinely nice people they get the community too um did you course, get a cameo course, yeah. remind me i think was there a, a brief cameo yeah yeah i'm in it once again if people go on twitter they can see it at fishery david I, I put it on a couple of weeks ago i weren't allowed to talk about it up to a few weeks ago because it was still on its way around the world to different places um uh, it, um, but I now can say yes. I'm in the council room. I have a, a moustache on, and I, uh, I say a couple of words. And I'm uh, I'm a country gent in the council, and I have a part in the second one, a bigger part in the second one. But I'm sworn to secrecy. Um, uh, look, I'm amazed you didn't get a walk on in that uh, Def Leppard um, performance, but but maybe another time. <laughs> look, back to the seriousness. Back to the seriousness behind this. You're obviously an extremely capable businessman. For, for starters, and I, I read some of your business columns. It's something else you do. You give business advice and, and columns um, as well. But back to the to the most sort of um, serious part of what set you on your way in, in, in 2007. Do you think this can be part of a bit of a movement around around the place? Obviously, you are still pursuing changes in the UK. You're talking with some pretty senior people there. But is this a case where art and the creative arts can actually put a bit of a nudge into a movement that, that many might want to see happen? Well, to be honest, I mean, I uh, when I was in, in New Zealand a, a couple of months ago, um, I, I was approached by your former Prime Minister, the lady, uh, and she Helen came Clark? up to me and, and there's a look. We've had two. Uh, Helen the, Clark? The lady that- Jenny Shipley. Who was the one before that? Jenny Shipley was the was, the, was the first one. I would put, I would just send her a damn. Yes. We've had three. Because <laughs> um, she was she was lovely and she came over to me. Uh, she's and, and I've just posted her on Twitter and I've just linked you in. So if you go on, you can actually see me stood next to her in New Zealand. And she came over and put her arm around me and she just said uh, she'd really uh, like this to happen in New Zealand. And I thought, what a lovely thing to say to me. She had, she had a, a huge big bodyguard with her. 
who was looking at me thinking, who's this guy? Um, and she came over and she'd watched the movie and um, she'd, uh, she just said what I was doing was, was, was something that was very special and that she'd like that to happen in New Zealand. She loved the idea of community banks. And that's what we need. We've been terribly badly served by the banks in the past. You know, the, all this casino banking and, and banks playing with people's money, gambling it around the world. We need to sort of ring fence all that off. And what we need the banks to do is to, to give people a decent rate of interest who's worked hard all the life for some savings. And then that money that he's lending out to local people in your area um, to, to, to improve businesses and to, to get businesses going and to help people get homes. I mean, mortgages are going through the roof. And I remember when I was out in Australia and New Zealand a few months ago and I, I met a lady from uh, Willabong. Um, and she said that um, she just cannot get on the property ladder because it's a wages just will never let her get on the property ladder. And, and I just thought it's just wrong. It doesn't matter where you are in the world. The banks are just not helping people. They forgot what they're there for in the first place. All they're interested in is making themselves very, very rich. We figured out it must have been Jacinda Ardern if there was still a security guard traipsing along, um, Dave. Uh, we've had three women Prime Ministers. Um, we do some things first, uh, but we can possibly learn a little from your efforts, I would say. A lot of people asking about the building societies here and whether there's a similarity. We'll, we'll, we'll have a think about that. It's been champion talking to you. Uh, people will look forward to the sequel. Uh, and uh, thanks very much for your time. Thank you so much. It's been a real pleasure. Look forward to telling you about the sequel in a few months' time. All righty. Dave Fishwick there. And we hear that The Bank of Dave, which is his story, uh, is also available on Prime Video. It is on Neon at the moment as well.